turn over, if you will, to the Gospel of John, where we've been turning now most every Sunday for quite a ways. I hope it's been meaningful to you to look at the life and ministry of Jesus through the eyes of the Apostle John, uh, one who had obviously a close look at this incredible uh, man slash God. Again, the mystery of that we'll never quite fully understand, but uh, we are so thankful and blessed for the Savior who came for us. Amen. John 20, beginning at verse 19. Again, this is after the resurrection. And on the evening of that day, when they found the empty tomb, the first day of the week, the doors being locked for where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. We talked about that last week. Uh, if, if your leader was crucified, you're part of that band. Uh, yeah, they were in fear of their lives. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Last week we talked about how you and I are among the most important people alive today because we carry the word of truth. We carry the testimony of Jesus. We carry the good news of his love for humanity and the fact that he died on the cross for our sins and rose again victorious so that we can have everlasting life. And, and you and I are sent forth into the world as his disciples with that message. The most important, incredible job on the face of the earth. Amen? A message that can and does still literally change the lives of people for all eternity. Which is why Jesus in the Great Commission told his disciples then to go forth into the world and preach that good news, right? But something had to happen first. Something that was not yet complete in their own lives. Look at it, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I want to share a message with you this morning entitled, Breathe on Me. Breathe on Me. Very interesting choice of words here, isn't it? John records that Jesus doesn't just tell them something, though. There's an action here, a very specific and a very important action on the part of Jesus. The Bible says he breathed on them. He literally blew on them. Now, why did he do that? Why, why did he do that, and why is that recorded for us? Seems a little strange, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean you know, walk into a, a, a crowd of people and go, right? Seems a little strange to us. But look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, way back in the creation of mankind. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. 
Here you have the body of Adam, expertly formed by God, out of the dust of the ground, out of clay, not yet alive. And what's it say? God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. This was not just air. This was not just oxygen, right? This was the breath of God. Something from God entered into this lifeless body and caused it to come alive. And later, later after that, what did God say would happen if Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree? Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Let me illustrate this for a second. I left this in my office, no big deal. Um, I have an electric shaver at home, right? You may, you may not realize that. Um, you know, I use it for my, my neck and my upper cheeks, so in Kate's words, I don't look scruffy, okay? I want to look scruffy um, and, and be scratchy when I kiss my wife and stuff. Um, but that shaver has a battery in it, right? We're all kind of used to that. But I can also use it plugged in. Okay, following? But the day that I unplug that shaver, the battery begins to lose power, doesn't it? It goes on for a while, but it begins to lose power, and eventually it dies, right? That's what we say. It's, it, it dies. And then I have to plug it in again. So we could reasonably say that that shaver begins to die on the very day that I unplug it. You with me? And that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve who would have lived forever on the earth, right? But when sin came, death came with it. They became separated from God, their life source. And so they died spiritually and also began to die physically. It took a long time for that life force you know, to drain because um, they lived a lot longer back then. But from that point forward, sin and its curse, separation from God, right, which is spiritual death, has touched every human being. As Romans 5.15 says, many died through one man's trespass. Again in verse 18, one trespass led to condemnation for all men, for all have sinned. And this is why Jesus, we read this way back in John 3, 3, said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That which is separated from God cannot enter the kingdom of God, right? That which is unholy, that which is corrupted by sin, cannot enter into God's holy presence. Jesus said, we must be born again. He goes on to explain in verse 6 of John 3, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Okay? Born of spirit. Do you know that the Hebrew word for the breath of God back in Genesis, which we just read, is this, can also be translated as spirit. 
Isn't it awesome how things begin to fit together and take shape? With God's breath came God's spirit. Even the disciples who had believed in Jesus were followers of Jesus for three plus years needed to be born again. But they couldn't have up to this point. Why not? Because the curse of sin had not yet been broken, right? Not until Jesus, the only one who was without sin, okay, offered himself on the cross as a sacrifice, taking on himself the sin of humanity, paying that price with his life's blood, thereby breaking the curse of sin for those who believe, so that you and I could be cleansed from our sin, purified into holy vessels, which now God could put his spirit. It hadn't happened up to that point, right? Not until after his resurrection, and not until he offered his blood on the altar in heaven, could now this curse be broken and the believer's be filled. So now having done that, having risen again in victory over sin and death, Jesus, reminiscent of Genesis chapter 2 and the very creation of mankind, breathes on them once again and says, receive the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. But we can see now that this is much more than just Getting into heaven one day. I think sometimes we, we you know, we, we think this, oh, we gotta, we gotta be saved, we gotta be born again, so we can get to heaven. Well, yeah, heaven's a part of it, right? But it is so much more than that. It's, it's, it's getting connected to God again, right? It's becoming spiritually alive. That's why it's called eternal life. Right? Because we are alive with God's Spirit now living in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe it is, um, says, They who are joined to the Lord are one Spirit with Him. His Spirit in us. Another mystery, another miracle. Not a religion, not a set of Beliefs, but a coming together of God and man. And it changes everything. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We have a new identity as children of God. A new source of peace and hope and strength. And joy even in the midst of difficulties and trials. We have a new presence of God in our lives where He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's not just passing by. He has come to live within us, right? We have a new power of that Holy Spirit to walk in the wisdom of God. A new purpose in life. Again, the highest purpose imaginable to take that message and influence others to help them to get what we found for eternity. And of course, at the end of this life, a new eternal 
destiny. Right? The Bible talks about that spirit in us being a deposit of things to come. So we talk about, in the church a lot, even, even in Sunday school, asking Jesus into our hearts. Right? We need to ask Jesus into our hearts. What does that really mean? To ask Jesus into our hearts. Have you thought about that? It means three things. Number one, it means declaring that we do believe. Believe that he came. Believe that he died on the cross taking the penalty for our sins so that we can be forgiven and cleansed. Believing that he rose again from the grave in victory. Number two, it means that we're coming to him humbly. Confessing, yes, Lord, I am a sinner in need of your salvation. I can't. I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't be good enough. We've all fallen short, the Bible says, right? So we come humbly to God. I need you, right? And three, that we are asking, yes, that that Holy Spirit, that Spirit of Jesus would come and live in us and breathe life into our spiritual deadness and make us alive, alive to God, alive to his presence, alive to his voice, alive to his power. Let me ask you this morning, have you done that? Have you done that personally, those three things? Some of us might say, well, I think so. But how can I know for sure? How can I know for sure? Well, thankfully, the Bible gives us two proofs. One is inward, and the other one is outward. Inwardly, Romans 8.16 says this, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There is, first of all, an inner knowing deep down, an inner assurance, an inner rest that says, yes, I know that I know that I know that I'm right with God. Down at that spirit level, our spirit is at peace within us because we know we have peace with God, right? And there is now a connection to him, that wasn't there before. A presence. If anything I, that I remember uh, outside of nervousness and joy, is a, that all of a sudden I had this awareness of God that I didn't have before. Not, and and, and I, I, like I told you, when, when I first met the Lord as a, as a young teenager, I was biblically stupid. I didn't have Sunday school. I, I didn't know anything. But all of a sudden I was aware of God's presence, a loving presence. That just enveloped me. A presence of the Holy Spirit who makes himself known to us and reveals God's love and God's will to us. So both our spirit and the Holy Spirit bearing witness together that we are God's children. Do you have that inner witness? And if that is the case, the Bible says it will also manifest outwardly in our lives. 
1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. In other words, the family of God. Right? And not just in word, John goes on to say, but in deed. So not only is there an inner peace, an inner witness of the Holy Spirit, but it's going to show. It's going to show itself in the way that we speak to one another, in the way that we treat each other, value one another, and show love for each other in practical ways. Right? Boy, you sure see that when someone needs something, when someone's hurting, when someone needs prayer, you know, someone's going through a tough time, you, you watch the body begin to take care of itself, you know. Uh, as, as Paul says in Corinthians, when one part hurts, the rest hurts with it, right? Yeah. So there's the inner witness, and then there's the outer witness. So let me ask you again today. Do you know that you know that you know. If not, let's make sure today. Do you know in your spirit? And do you see it in your life? If you're not sure, let's make sure. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? So Lord, we do. We, 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 we follow that this morning. It, for those of us who may not be sure. We, we want to declare before you, just between us and you, Lord, it's, we're doing this publicly, but it's a very private thing, saying, Lord, I believe. I believe the Gospel. I believe that Jesus Christ came because of your great love for me and that He died on the cross taking my sins so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be cleansed so that I could receive your grace, your salvation, and your spirit. That he rose again victorious over sin and death. That one day I will follow him in that resurrection. I believe, Lord. And I thank you for that. But Lord, I've fallen short, as the Bible testifies of all of us. And I need that salvation. I'm a sinner in need of you, in need of your grace. And so, Lord, I'm asking you right now to save me. I'm asking you now, Lord, to come into my heart. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, breathe on me that I might be reconciled to God, that I might connect, that I might have that same spirit within me and know you. Not, 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 not grab a hold of some religion, but truly know you personally. That's what I want, Lord. And I'm opening my heart to you today, giving it to you. And I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Through Christ I pray. Amen.